This is Just a Few Questions from Chicago. I'm your host, Mark Sims, and I have Dr. Jay Wamstead on the phone. Mr. Wamstead <laughs> is a high school educator from the great state of Georgia. How are you, Jay Wamstead? I am doing great. See, I see, I see you uh, on the Chris Stewart show. But you know, and when, after that, I saw you on Chris Stewart's show. He's a great educator. And, you know, I, that, he was on my podcast. Great guy. But let's talk about you. You did a TED Talk, and I'm jealous that you, you did a TED Talk a few years ago. T- tell the listeners about your great TED Talk. Mark, that TED Talk was a, such a lucky break for me because there was a teacher in my building who had, and it was a TEDx talk, which means it's a locally organized event, and a, a teacher in my building had done a TEDx at her old school in New York, I believe, and she wanted to do one at our school in Atlanta. And she recruited 10 students, and she was looking for two teachers, and she was just asking her students. We didn't even know each other at the time, me and this educator. She was asking her students, like, well, what teachers are good talking in front of Well, who's funny? Who, who, who do you think could do this? And, and my name came up a couple times. And so she approached me and said, you know, Mr. Wamp said, would you be willing to do this? And I said, well, what do you want me to talk about? She said, you can talk about anything you want. And I said, I can talk about riding my bicycle to work, which at the time I did. And she said, sure, whatever you want. And I started writing a talk about my bicycle. I got about 10 minutes in and thought to myself, I don't want to talk about my bicycle for 20 minutes on a recorded TEDx platform. And what I really want to talk about is race because I am a white teacher. I'm a white, white man. And I, my school is, is entirely black, um, almost all black. I mean, non, entirely non-white, but almost all black. And that's what I, that's my passion is white teachers and, and what we do badly and what we can do better. And I was like, I just want to talk about that. And so I rewrote my bicycle talk and well, I threw it out the window and turned that into a, a little talk about trust and the importance of trust in, in a teacher and especially a white teacher teaching in an environment of um, black children. That was specifically what I was talking about. And it was just a great break. And I was terrified when she pulled me in for the first audition. She just said, okay, I need to hear everybody's talk. And all the students came up and I did it. And I was like, I'm going to get up there and she's not going to like this and it's going to go badly. But she was thrilled. And so we just kind of went with it. And it was a great break for me because I never would have had the opportunity to do that except for this kind of lucky chance. Well, uh, Jay Wamstead, uh, Mr. W- I'm going to call you Mr. Wamstead. Like the, you're, you're a 10th grade teacher, right? Um, I was. I have been 9th and 10th. This year I'm 8th, actually. Oh, 8th. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 8th grade. I know. I'm, you're, 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 that's middle school in Georgia, right? I'm moving down in the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, no, no. You catch, him, you catch him before he gets gets out of hand. That's good. That, no, yeah, that, that's part of the thought, yeah. And that's all. Uh, I can get back to the white teachers and race in class all day. I may get back to that before we get off the air, but listen, here's my main question, uh, Mr. Wompstead. How do you, pers- Mr. Wompstead, how do you persuade a student that's not performing as well as you think they can to persuade them to put in the work to become a better student? Yeah, so, so this is what I, this is, so a common lie in the teacher's lounge um, and teachers on text with each other is that such and such kid just doesn't care. Such and such kid doesn't want to learn. And teachers say that to each other all the time. And you'll hear it. If you got at the beginning of the year, you'll, you'll have a kid's last year teacher be like, Oh, so-and-so doesn't even want to learn. And that is a real damaging narrative because I don't believe that there's 
a human out there that doesn't want to learn. They may not want to learn what you're selling at the moment, but they, we all, we're, we're, we're hardwired to want to learn. We're learning constantly. So when a child is in your room or my room and it seems that they're checked out, now there are students checked out, no doubt. That's very different from they don't want to learn. They're just checked out from your subject. When they're checked out, I often think to myself, what I have to do is I got to, I got to cast a vision for this student, this child, this teenager about why this matters. And that's hard because for several reasons, one, math is tough, two, it can be boring, and three, the reason a child's checked out is because they have their own narrative about why your subject doesn't matter, or they have their own narrative about why school in general doesn't matter. But I often see students in a math class that they're fine in the rest of school, they just don't care about math. But unfortunately, math matters because it's a great predictor of graduating from high school, going to college, graduating from college. And this is what I, this is to get back to my passion is I am a big believer. And if you've ever seen me on Twitter and that's kind of where you and I met it, it, in small things that, that teachers can do that make a big difference in a child's life um, for good or ill. And I think one of those small things we do is we walk into a room with a child that is checked out and we cast our vision for why they should care about our subject. And if they don't buy it, we just, we just let it go and we, we leave it. And I think before we can cast a vision, or at least at the same time that we're casting a vision, we have to understand their vision. We have to get into their head or at least like, like behind the, the scenes with them and understand why is it are you checked out? Is it because you missed all of fourth grade and don't have any idea what's going on anymore in algebra? Are you dyslexic and can't read the word problems? Do you have a brother that didn't go to, didn't go to college and he's doing fine and you don't think this matters? Do so many reasons that a child could be checked out in a math class. And if we don't try to understand them, they've got no reason to just listen to our story. And so that to me is step one is, getting into the head, asking questions, hearing their story, why you checked out on this. And then once you understand their story, then you can come with your story. And your story is, well, you know what, you're here. Like, like let's, let's finish this class. Let's, let's get out of high school. Let's, let's think about college. Let's at least get ourselves in a position to go to college. Let's look at your fourth grade math level and let's make some steps because we can do that together. But you got to listen to the student first. If you just like come in with a bull in a china shop and start telling them, why this matters and this is important and you got to do this and you got to do that. They're, they're going to check out further real fast. So there's a lot more to say about that, but no, you, you hit it right on, that. you hit it right on the point. Cause I'm going to go back to, uh, you know, uh, me, fa- me felt Mark Sims failing pre-algebra like 43, yeah. 40 years, 44 years ago. And, uh, it was, it was a white teacher. I can't even, I can barely remember this. Some of this stuff. Hopefully some of your students will remember you 40, 40 something years from now. And, and I say that because it, 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 it wasn't about the teacher being white because, you know, as long as a person feel, as long as a teacher, they seem like they care about me and my problems. I'm, you're halfway sold. If you, if you yep. really care about me, if you feel me, you care about me. Of course, I'm going back to me. Let's say let's, I'm going to do Mark Sims 44 years ago and Mark Sims if I was in your class. OK, I'm in your class. I'm doing algebra. I don't see myself going to even the Georgia perimeter. I don't see myself. I don't see anything even beyond eighth grade or tenth grade or twelfth grade, and that I don't. And I can't understand why is this math necessary. Explain that to me or your students right now. 
Well, so that's where I, you, you said the, the most important word, I think, in a, in a classroom is, is trust, is that you are necessarily, it's like raising a child, like you're, you're, you're casting a vision for something that they honestly just don't have a grid for. Like, like my 11-year-old does not have a grid for grown-upness, and so I have to like, set these rules and parameters and, and, and cast a vision for something that she doesn't quite understand, but she trusts me, right? It's the same with a student, like a ninth grader. I'm teaching eighth grade this year. I, I can't go in there and start talking about college. Like, like that's not that that's so far away for them. And they're and it's, it's it's like another planet. What I need to do is I need to build up that trust. And I need I need that student, that child. They don't. Have, I say this all the time. They don't have to like me, right? I mean, like teachers go in and they want to be liked, and that's that that's a short sighted that's a short sighted plan, and it often backfires. But it's same with parenting also, by the way, if your goal is for your child to like you, you're going to have a hard time in the long run. But if your goal is for your student to trust you, then you can cast that vision of like, yeah, the kid might look at you and be like, I don't care about college. I don't know about college, but you seem all right. And I trust you. And so I will do this problem set. I will take a step and do some problems today. And then the next day they can trust you a little more and do some more problems. And if they can have a string of teachers like that, if we could, find a million teachers like that like we could we could change the world and the lives of students that are checked out we're almost done i was gonna stop at 10 but it's so good we got to keep going <laughs> mr <laughs> Wamstead. okay now i did mention georgia perimeter i ain't been to georgia in 15 years as i remember georgia perimeter was the community college in the area right i, I was impressed you, yeah you, you pulled i thought you googled it real quick no yeah. no no i got fan every you know we from chicago a lot of folks move from chicago down to georgia because they out y'all don't shovel snow you know that it's a big difference <laughs> The winters are not as bad as they used to be here, but the winters are still better down south. So I knew about Georgia Perimeter. The, uh, and I've I, been to Chicago. Y'all got some terrible winters. I don't. No, 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 no. I've been here. I've been here since 1962. I mean, let's say from the 70s. I remember as a kid, from late 60s, early 70s. Oh, the winters were bad 30, 40 years ago. George, I mean, the uh, global warming has been very, very good to us. And so, uh, yeah. so let's say, let's say I was the kid. I was, I was enamored with, uh, uh, let's say, baseball stadiums or something, right? And so let's let's say Joe. I, rem, I, re, I remember seeing the old uh, Fulton County, right? I remember seeing yeah. the old uh, uh, Turner Field. I, I I don't know what I'm going to see. SunTrust. I don't even know what they call SunTrust now. They change the name of these places all the time. The baseball uh, field. Yeah, it's, got a good it's probably still SunTrust, right? So you. Uh, I remember, no, it's, it's not. I know because so, yeah. SunTrust got bought out by Northern Trust or something, you know. But the point is that uh, uh, I remember I remember the old Georgia Dome, and I remember the old Omni Arena. So if I love that stuff, but I needed a math teacher, not that I would have become an architect or a mathematician or a math teacher or whatever engineer, but I need somebody to explain, you know, the, like the, uh, what's the, what's the, what the Mercedes Benz uh, Stadium, that's what they call, where the Falcons play now? Yeah, Mercedes. So this thing's like, it's you know, the, the, the roof like spins or goes back and opens up and that's math. So explain to me, like, if you were my teacher and I'm in your classroom, Dr. Wanstead, uh, explain to me the, the math that has to go involved to making those panels move on the Mercedes-Benz uh, stadium. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you've got, and that's, and it, it might be sports stadiums. It might, it, it might be the, the book they're reading or the anime they're watching or the, the got some music they can produce on their phones. I mean, like, like there's just, there's stuff they're interested in. And, and I think the mistake teachers make is we, is we push all that aside and we like hit this abstract curriculum and math is so abstract. And, and if like step two 
in getting a child to trust you or step one in getting a child to trust you maybe is like figuring out what, what interests them or what drives them. And then trying to figure out a way to like pull that back. And like, I've been blessed. I've taught geometry several years in a row and that's like a easy way to at least like bring some pictures and some outside research. And it's hard with algebra sometimes. To so you said the right word. In. See, I need pictures. I don't care if it's reading. I don't care if it's math. I need frick, you know, like math. I need to see two apples and you put them together. Mm-hmm. Now it's, uh, you know, three apples, four apples. I need pictures. And without pictures, I can't, I can't do anything. Do you have, do you see students who struggle like that? Oh yeah. 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 And, and that's an evolution that I've had personally, just so I've gone. Cause, and this is this, and Chris Stewart said, you, you mentioned Chris Stewart at the beginning and he says something kind of frequently on his podcast that, that I, that really sticks with me is that uh, teachers were, were kind of a self-selected group of people that did well in school and really liked school, right? Like nobody goes back to teach middle school or high school unless they actually enjoyed middle school or high school as a student, right? And so we, we're just like, we, we as a whole didn't really struggle much in school. And so we get to school and we kind of have no one way to do things. And we're a little shocked when a student doesn't know how to do it our one way. And then that's when the rubber hits the road for a new teacher or an old teacher is like, is, well, what do I do when this child doesn't know, doesn't get it the way I'm saying it, but teachers we're stuck in the way we say it because we just don't, we don't even have a grid for how, how could you not like school? How could you be checked out of school? I love school. I've been in schools my whole life, Mark. I mean, I've never really left the building because I love it so much. And I'm the complete, like, I'm the complete, complete opposite. When I see right. my old grammar school in high school, I want to go inside and burn the place down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's still painful just thinking about it. So a lot of students, people didn't do well in school. And if you're a person who did well in school, you're like, what's wrong with you? You didn't like school? What, you got, are you retarded? You didn't work harder? You mean, they all blame it on the child or the student. Yep. But it's yep. much more complex than that. And if I can go back to to uh, to my old self or if I was in your, cl- your uh, eighth grade classroom, I would say, kiddies, I'm going to make this as easy as possible. You're going to figure this out or like uh, uh, I know Malcolm Gladwell has his critics, but let me I listen. I like my boy Malcolm Gladwell that. No, we, no, no. I, I, I know you. I know you're a fan, but a lot of folks say he has his critics. But I would say here's a math problem. It's going to take time. Some students are going to be catch on really quick. Some people are going to be a little bit slow and it's OK to be slow. It's OK to take your time. You And once you start figuring these basics out, you're going to, you're going to say, wow, with a little effort, I can figure this out. What do you think? Mr. Wamsdale. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of loops into something that is, is and you and I were talking about this before we started, but I'm going to bring it in, um, is, is the math curriculum is not set up for, for, for deep and slow learning. It's set up for like a pump and dump. Like I'm going to, I'm going to pull some information up from the well and I'm going to dump it on you and you better get it. Cause we're going to pull up more information the next day and we are going to fly. And that is something that's changed markedly in the past 60 years. The history of it's boring, but um, but we keep jamming down like the pre-algebra. Whenever, whatever, however old you were when you failed that pre-algebra class, I guarantee you, teenagers two years younger than you are learning that material now. Like we just keep pushing it down and down and younger and younger, and adding more and more stuff. And we don't leave space for what you're talking about with Malcolm Gladwell for a child to like become enchanted by a problem that takes more than like. That, that, that takes some thought, that takes some exploration, that takes some effort. Um, 
we, we don't leave space to do that same, a, a similar problem the next day. We just, if we do take a day to, for like an exploration activity, it is like a huge sacrifice. I can tell you as a teacher and we don't have time to do it again. Like this was our exploration day and now we're just going back to pump a dump. So seems like yeah. the math class ain't changed since I've, I've been in school 40 some years ago. Uh, that what we were speaking earlier before we started the show, that was a Freakonomics show. Did you look it up? Freakonomics about math. Stephen Levitt was the host of that show that day. Stephen Dublin is the regular host. Freakonomics, math, or how we do math. Look it up. It's very cool. Um, and he interviewed, it was a woman named um, Joe Bowler. She's a professor in, I think, England. Um, but I could be totally wrong about that. But anyway, she's, she's big in math ed. Her name is Bowler, Joe Bowler. Jay Wamstead, I can talk about education forever, but we can't. We got to end the show. I cannot thank you enough for being a great teacher. And like I said earlier, I can't remember but a handful of the teachers in high school, eighth grade. Eighth grade a little bit different. High school, you see more teachers. But hopefully, I, and I know you are that type of teacher, most of your students will, will remember 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. I I think, I, 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 hope, I, I hope so, Mark, but only because, of what I said earlier, not that I need them to remember me, but I just hope that they had an experience in my class where they enjoyed school and math. Like, that's what I hope. And so if I'm in those memories, great, you know, but like, I just hope that they had a positive math experience in my class. That is what I, I go for. <laughs>